everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Good Faith Idea Exchange. For today's episode, an old friend of the show is returning for a um, sit-down with me. His name is Rich Norris. He is the assistant principal at 360 High School in Providence, Rhode Island. He is also the founder of several positive initiatives that um, are really helping to benefit the community in the greater Providence area, including the Gentleman's Academy and Black Girl Magic. You will be able to find out more information about those initiatives um, later on in this episode. But today, we are taking a look back at COVID. When I, when I talked to A.P. Norris, COVID was still especially prevalent to the point that virtual classes were still happening. So what I really wanted to do today was just kind of take a look back, to just take a look back at COVID, really the height of COVID through the eyes of um, an assistant principal in um, our education system. I think it's pretty insightful just to see and, you know, kind of revisit all the changes that had to be made just within this one school alone in Rhode Island uh, during this time. And um, I think it's going to be very insightful. So give it a listen. You know, how would you, in your opinion and your, and in your experience, um, how would you compare where, you know, how would you compare the climate in schools uh, right now during COVID uh, with the climate before COVID? Like, how would you compare the two? You know, I think there's a very visible sense of um, that this is not what life used to be like. Because in the, just for instance, you're in the school day, you've got every class have a seating chart that they got to complete just in case we need to do contact tracing. In the morning, in our school, as an extra precaution, in the morning, we've been doing these little health checkpoints. And that something we're required to do by the district or the DOH. But through those checkpoints, we've been able to, in terms of the kid walks into school, hey, how are you doing this morning? I mean, two things it does. It helps you get to know all your students, especially the ones new to the school and build some relationships with them. The other piece, too, is you get to sort of, you know, filter some kids who potentially could be coming in with a headache or some running nose or something that, once sometimes once you say, Hey mate, you're not you're not signing too well today, go back home for the day. Then the kid go home and then gets a test and oh yeah, I got COVID. So yeah. you kinda like helped in that way. So it's it's been it's been it's been that type of scenario, you know, seating charts for the cafeteria. You know, cafeteria is supposed to be a place where kids just go kinda let loose a little bit. But now, you know, you're charting cafeteria seating charts in in the morning, you know, that's part of my Sunday night prep now where I all I got to make sure all the cafeteria charges already ready to go. So there's a lot of little things that make you know that school isn't, I mean, just even masks in classrooms, are, it's hard to do. I you know a lot of teachers not have that desk in cemetery rows because it's easier to do seating chart that way. But if you want to move classes around like you would do in a normal year for groupings and stuff like that, you almost got to think twice about it now because that might require a different kind of seating chart. Right. There's a, so it's a bunch of small things. I mean, you do it in the, and again, I can only speak from my school 
you do the best that you can to keep people safe. You can't promise them safety, but you can do the best that you can. And that does mean that it can be long days. It can, you know, I'm usually at school 6 6.45, 6.50 probably the latest on that school now in the morning just to make sure that things are set up so when people come in, we're ready to go. So but it's, been those, it's been that kind of year. Clearly, there's a, there's a feel that something is going on. Like you haven't, some of our freshmen, you really haven't seen their faces yet because they have a mask on all day. So it's just it's strange. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things. Like, um, I know that with COVID, there have been a lot of new uh, regulations, um, a lot of new regulations that have, that have come up. You know, how often are new regulations coming up now related to COVID and how hard has it been for for schools to adjust? Well, I mean, I think with the, I know the DOH, based on CDC guidelines, just released the latest, uh, the latest, which was the five-day quarantine period now instead of the 10-day. And, you know, monitoring those kids who may be exposed to people. They could be in school, but you got to monitor them. So it seems like every other week some news coming up or some additional thing is coming up that you got to be aware of. So you, you're barely keeping up, and these uh these playbooks are uh, hundred page long or so uh, guidelines you got to keep up with. And you try to extract the best. My principal is really on top of that. She does a lot of the work in that area of trying to make sure she understands it, and make sure the rest of the staff do. And it seems like there's always new guidance. It's like which one are we keeping up with now? Like the five day one. That's just kind of that's kind of we, you know, we, we're not too happy about that because it's like, man, five days. If you if you contract a COVID, you're telling me in five days the person cannot return back to a general school population. So, but it just so at least in my in my view, just in like every other week, there's something to look forward to. How has I mean, how has this affected staffing? I, I imagine it's been pretty pretty difficult to keep to keep the school staffed, right? Well, so prior to COVID, we probably had one of the highest attendance rates in the district of staff. Really, anybody that was missing from our school, but the last two weeks or so, either people testing positive, being exposed, or having family members test positive. This is the most coverage I think we've had. To, and it's only like two or three people, maybe four people, but it's, it seemed like a lot, especially for a small school. When you have a small school about like 30, 30 teachers or so, and you two or three are missing, that kind of, so in, right. since I've been at 360 High School, this is the most I have had staff missing to do coverage for. So it kind of definitely is disruptive because then kids are the ones that get hurt. You know, you get a substitute teacher that may not necessarily be invested in the school. So then kids are there, just there. You, you try to do your best, but that's not the case. And the staff who are out are leaving the necessary work and the continuous work because you don't just want worksheet day to day that that doesn't help anybody. But it has certainly impacted staffing. I know some schools in Providence, a friend of mine was at Hope High School and I think he told me they had to go virtual for a couple of days because of the absences. It's crazy. Students and staff absence. Mm, okay. And, uh, and just from us, yeah, just from us, the student absences, I feel like this week now we're starting to get most of our kids back some, a lot of them, either tested positive and had to be away for however many days. 
So that that has impacted student attendance as well. That also creates a lot of problems now when teachers are trying to catch kids up. And it just is a lot of jumping around this year, if you will, in terms of student attendance, staff attendance. It's just not a normal year. Right. Right. Yeah, it hasn't been normal for a little while now, unfortunately. Yeah. As far as the as far as those relationships with with parents, with parents of the students go, is is that if there were if there were one thing or even just a couple things that you wish parents would understand from you know from your side of things, um, you know what what would those things be and why? I think just communicating with us, we um, so we have a communication system that we use called Kimbo, and it sends out messages to parents in whatever native language they are. So you could be Spanish and I could type in English, but you'll get it in Spanish because that's what your preference is. So anytime things happen, we update parents. I think just, you know, if your kid's not feeling too well, hey, I'm going to keep my kid home tomorrow because they're not feeling too well, I want to be sure. So I think a lot of communication with parents in that way, I think that will ensure everybody else safety to the best that we can. And I'll say our parents have been pretty good for the most part of calling us uh, and letting us know, but we could still use more of that um, in terms of communicating with the school. Okay. Okay. That would be be a huge ask from parents, I would say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, you know, as far as what you've seen in the area, you know, within, you know, nearby communities, what areas would you say have been the hardest hit by by COVID? Like, you know, especially from an educational standpoint, like, is there anything that you've seen, you know, within specific areas that has been, you know, maybe worse than in other areas? Well, if I'm understanding the question right, in terms of areas that have been the hardest hit education-wise, I'll say I L students are suffering. All of our students are suffering, but our English language learners who need the time in person the most are suffering a lot. Um, sometimes, you know, just sometimes some parents are just don't want the kid in because, hey, I'm afraid that, you know, you have all these positive cases swinging around. I'm going to keep my kid home. But we know that virtual, you know, virtual option doesn't work very well because a lot of our students sometimes are unsupervised at home. I'm right. a teenager, and I'm supposed to do work virtually, and my mom and dad have gone to work. I had chances I might not be doing that work. So, right. we, so we're hurting in that way. And just, just some of our general ed kids, the virtual piece, in my view, works for very few kids. Because of our L students, when you have a teacher right in front of them, they can ask the questions right then. Um, with the virtual piece, a lot of kids will log on, not, won't even show their faces, or oh, might just log on, go do something else. It's how it goes. Right. So in that way, I feel like we're taking a huge hit, and these are the kids who need the, the our time the most. Some of them are so far behind that you can't afford any days where they don't get a chance to at least improve. So that's one of the hits I know for sure we're taking. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, is there anything that is there anything that you've noticed that, um, you know, that you, that as far as, you know, 
schools and how they've been hit by COVID and the effects that it's had. Um, is there any, is there anything specifically that you have noticed that you wish more people would notice? I think it's just, uh, the, the physical and mental toll, most of the mental toll on, on teachers, because you're not just teaching anymore. Now you're having to follow all of these little protocols, like three feet apart. At one point it was six feet apart. Then you got to check your seating chart. And then you might have a kid in, but one day, but might be gone for the next 10 days because maybe they were exposed to somebody. So it just creates so many complications for a classroom teacher that you know you're working hard, but sometimes that morale, I think the teacher morale, I will say, has definitely been hit because of these reasons, you know? So, and again, sometimes I think, sadly, some people do exploit situations like this. There might be some kids who just might use this as as a time to maybe, hey, man, um, I can just call and say I got a headache if I don't want to go to school today. Yeah, that might sound cool. You get an extra day home, but now that teacher has to make up for you when you get back. And some people legitimately do have to stay home, and we welcome that. We don't want to take any risk. But I think for teachers, you know, you there's always this accountability for your students. But when you look at when you start to dig into the stories, you know, I, I might have somebody with a thirty percent failure rate. I look at, I start to look into the numbers, then I see that, let's say it's, it's 20 kids who are failing, but 15 of those kids are not in school because of attendance reasons. But yet it still looks like, you know, 20 kids are failing. So it kind of, I think teachers' morale has taken like a huge hit this year. So we got to do a better job of taking care of our teachers' mental health as well. I almost, I almost want to go like, four days in person, one day virtual. I almost want to do that just to give, not to give people a break, but to give people a chance to just be home in their own space where, you know, they can breathe that fresh air and say, you know, you still, you still expected to do your work, but just that, that day out of the building, I think, I don't know, it's just something I think about a lot in terms of how, what do I do to make sure my teachers are taken care of? Right. Right. I agree with that. That doesn't, that sounds like a good idea to me. Um, I think, especially with everything that's going on right now and everything that's been going on for a while now, you know, sometimes people need to have the opportunity to, to breathe and to, you know, just, just have that opportunity to get out of that same space that they've been in. And, you know, I, I think it's balance. I think balance is, um, you know, very important. And with what's going on right now, you know, we need to, I think it's important that we think about the mental health of teachers. And we also think about the mental health of students. And, um, you know, I think having some measure of, of balance is um, very important. But anyway, actually, one other question that I had was, um, you know, if you could please tell me um, about you know, any special initiatives that you have underway right now, um, especially for someone who might be listening, um, might be listening to you for the first time and not really be aware of um, what you do outside of the classroom? I, I think um, the biggest thing outside of the classroom for me is just 
working on increasing my visibility more and more in the community. So whether it's through working with the Gentlemen's Academy and getting those boys into the neighborhood so they can be active participants in their neighborhood, I always tell them that you don't have to wait till you're older or you go to college to be a part of your neighborhood. Similarly with the Black Girl Magic Group, which is, you know, just playing on this road that these young women have enough power and abilities in them that they don't have to wait for somebody to come rescue them. I'm a big proponent of not waiting. Oh, it's that documentary, Waiting for Superman. I don't think, I feel like a lot of solutions that we're looking for already rest within our neighborhood, but how do we empower people to do that? So those two, two initiatives, Black, um, and the Black Girl Magic Group and the Gentlemen's Academy, those are the two things I'm really making a commitment to this year. And then, I mean, lastly, really, is trying to put together something of a book on how I started the Gentlemen's Academy, lessons I've learned from that, and what type of work I think if we can really commit to doing, we will see the type of results that we are looking for. Because I've I've done it, I've spent the time doing it, so I know to a huge degree what works and what type of commitment you need to make to it. So those are some things I'm on right now, but just... Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing lately, trying to just kind of not overload myself, but stick to pick something, stick to it, and then go from there. Awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, that's excellent. I want to I want to just take a moment to thank you so much. Um, thank you so much, Rich, for for taking them taking a moment to sit down with me and um have this conversation. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. All right. And this concludes my interview with Assistant Principal Rich Norris of 360 High School in Providence. As always, feel free to subscribe, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google, Spotify, Overcast, Podcast Addict. Feel free to subscribe. Um, feel free to give it a rating, whatever you think the podcast deserves. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you got something out of it. And um, that's pretty much it. That's all I have. Um, have a great day, everyone.